You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Who loves your pastors? Can we give it up for the Zieglers, world-class people? Honored to call them uh, friends. And man, since I was here with you guys last, like, look around. Can we praise God for this facility? What a miracle this is in the middle of a pandemic. He's been advancing his church. How many people think Jesus might just have meant it when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? We are so honored to stand with you, really, uh, to serve the region. And uh, in fact, I think we got a picture of my family. Can we put them up there on the screen? Uh, they, they're uh, worshiping with our Brooklyn community this morning. We got four kids, 16, 14, 13, and nine, three of them born in Australia. The, they were four, two, and one when we moved to New York City to plant our church. Sam came later. You can tell everything you need to know. Look at that smile. He is full of beans, that one, and born and raised Brooklyn. But God has been good to us over these nearly 12 years since we moved to New York City to plant what is today uh, Liberty Church. Like you guys, we're an ARC church, the Association of Related uh, Churches. We've had the privilege of planting with them each time uh, we started a Liberty Church community. But I actually it connects into what I want to share about today because in many ways, some of the biggest lessons I learned that I want to share in our true confessions, I am sharing this message today because I have needed this message. I'm, I'm going to share with you things the Lord has been challenging me about. And so I want to offer this to you because I think it's something that many of us struggle with is we're in this 21 days of prayer you know, I think one of the greatest cries of my heart is, God, teach me to rest. In fact, that's the title of the message this morning, teach me to rest. Turns out church planting isn't easy. Who'd have thought? Uh, and honestly, a lot of times when I told people, in, people when we first moved to New York City, they're like, oh, what, what brought you to the city? And I, oh, bright-eyed, oh, we're planting a church. And you could see that, that moment of like, oh, Oh, where do I go with this conversation? The person looked awkward. It's like, what do I, what do I, oh. And they'd say things like, oh, wow. Oh, people still go to church. Like that sort of things. You know, it's like people don't really know where to go with this. It's kind of like when we say we had four kids because in our neighborhood, it's basically us and the Hasidic Jews, you know? It's like, oh, wow, it's a, it's a lot of kids. You know, it's that kind of, you guys don't get out much, do you? That sort of thing. Uh, when we planted our church, we were trained by the ark and we went down to Florida and we went into what they called basic training, which was actually just five days of overwhelming information, like, oh God, what have we done? And uh, God had called us to the city. We moved in 2010, still right on the heels of the greatest you know, uh, recession since the Great Depression. That's challenging. And it turns out, other fact, uh, fun fact, New York's not cheap. Anyone else notice that? Turns out it's not the cheapest or the easiest place to plant a church. So we're feeling a little overwhelmed. We go to this training and on the last day, thank God, they prayed for us. It's always a good idea. So we had worship like we did this morning. They bring all the church plant couples to the front. Oh, please pray for us. What have we done? And, uh, and, and, I, and so in this time of worship, I felt to kneel. So as I kneel before they're going to lay hands on us and pray for us, I, I had a literal vision. And to be honest, just to be clear, this wasn't one of those like, 
What are these great, like the angels come, everything's going to be awesome. Is that kind of a, was a little bit of a discouraging vision. Uh, As I kneel, I can, you know, I can, in the vision, I'm standing behind myself, looking down on me. Now I'm kneeling in the dust. I'm covered in dust. I can see the sweat running down and I'm holding something. I can see blood dripping down. And when I look closer, I'm holding barbed wire. I'm like, oh, (laughs) is this what church planning's going to be like? And the Lord clearly says to me something that I still remember to this day. In that moment when we said yes and we were commissioned, he said, he said, Paul, I already know what you can do. It's time for you to let me show you what I can do. And I realized what he was showing me, clutching the barbed wire, toiling, sweating, bleeding, is I was slipping back into bad old habits. I, I was, now I don't know if, you, if you're okay with Enneagram or if you think that's witchcraft, but I'm an Enneagram 3, if you know what that is. So it's all about work. And, and, I, and I realized, you know, in that moment, it's like, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to do something in my own strength. When he said, I will build my church, I'm trying to do it. I'm striving. Now there's a place for diligence and I'm all for hard work. But man, I have to be so careful that I didn't get into a place where I had to try to do something that only God can do. That's why my prayer, and I hope you'll get something practical from this message this morning. In fact, Jesus, would you minister through your word right now? Would you minister even through me being honest, transparent about my struggles in these areas, Lord? Would you teach all of us to rest? Your word promises you give your beloved rest. It's a mark of your blessing that you give us rest in Jesus' name. Amen. Teach me to rest. You know, I think in order to understand God's design for you and I to flourish, since, you know, Jesus said, for instance, I have come that they might have life and life to the full, life abundant, overflowing. What was God's design for us? How many think the world has gone a long way away from God's design? So I want to bring it back to the start. I want to start with a little bit of teaching here. We're going to get to some how-to But let's start at the start, which is a good place to start. We're going to go to Genesis and just take a minute to be reminded of God's intention, what God modeled for us and what God intended for us. Four verses I want to read you, four quick passages to set it up. Genesis 1, verse 26 says, God said, let us make human beings in our image. So God speaking in plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, going to make human beings how? In our image. Why? To be like us. That was God's plan, that we would be like God. They will reign over the fish and the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Second verse is uh, Genesis 2 verses 1 to 3 says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and we've had the six days of creation, all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. So God worked. And then what? And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he'd done. Listen, not only did God rest, but check this out. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Rest is holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he'd done in creation. Now it's time for mankind coming into the picture. It says in Genesis 2.15, it says the Lord placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Now sin hasn't come yet. 
but man has work to do. That's interesting to me. He has a job to do. He has a job, tend and watch over the garden. But then sadly, if you know the story, they eat the fruit, sin enters the world, and uh, they're kicked out of the garden. And Genesis 3 says this, verse 17, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Now listen to this, see if it resonates with you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. That sounds familiar. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat. So I want to tie some thoughts together from these different passages. As you think about those four passages that I read, the first one teaches me this. Firstly, we serve a God who both works and rests. I think that's important. He modeled something for us and he blessed the seventh day, the day of rest. God himself both works and rests. And by the way, do you think like after six days, he's like, I'm so tired, I need a nap. Is that, is that what was happening there? No, no, no. No, there's something deeper. There's something holy about ceasing, right? So then the second thing that I get from these passages is, remember, he created us in his image to be like him. That was what he said, which means what? Then we, therefore, are called to both work and rest. The third thing I take from these passages is that work itself is not a curse, okay? Mankind was working in the garden and it was good and all was well. There was no sin and there was still work. So work itself is not a punishment for our sin. But the fourth thing is the fall, sin, caused our work to become harder. Work became a struggle. Work became striving. Stress becomes part of work. It's a burden. In fact, in fact, the Lord says, by the sweat of your brow, you'll eat. So I think because of that, because work and rest were a part of God's original design and God himself modeled it for us, it's all the more important that we do what this church is all about. Redemption, right? That we redeem our work and we redeem our rest in order that we could see God's design worked out in our lives. Now, I was honest with you right out of the gates with this message. This has not come as easily to me. This isn't as natural to me for all different kinds of reasons. My family of origin, my early years of ministry, my personality, these things have kind of pushed against this idea of rest being holy. And so some years ago, three, four years ago, I was invited on one of these retreats that Pastor Jeremy was referring to. Uh, Greg Surratt, who's the the president of this network I mentioned before, the ARC, invited me on a trip. And I said yes, just because I love and respect him. But a couple of weeks before, I had a panic when I read the agenda. Because I'm like, wait, fly fishing? I've never done that before. Now, I already told you I'm a three. I don't like doing things I haven't done before. Especially not if I'm not going to be good at them and make an idiot of myself. I was like, this might be a bad idea. What am I doing? We're going to, you know, shoot shotguns and skeet shooting and all these things. I was like, maybe I should cancel. But I went anyway. And thank God, literally, thank God that I did. Because a whole lot of realizations came to me in those few days. 
And I'll tell you actually something I didn't mention in the last service. When I got home, my wife literally said to me, this is what you should be doing full time. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I got my husband back. Something radically transformed me in those days. And it was simple things like laughing. <laughs> Laughter does good like a medicine. The Bible says, I laughed so much. I got around. Now, this wasn't even people I knew. I knew one other guy on the trip besides the host. And I hadn't seen him in five years. We're laughing together. We're getting outdoors with creation. I'm out of the rat race and my rhythm and I'm off, you know, social media. I'm not checking my inbox. I'm out of all my normal routines, doing new things, laughing, having fun, forming friendships. And I realized it was so significant for me. By the end of the trip, I had a couple of huge realizations. And one of them was very simple. It's like, I do not have enough fun. Now, I didn't say that in any way to say, I don't love my church. I do. I love serving God. I love my wife. My kids are a hoot. I mean, there is, in a sense, fun in my life, but I realize, like, what am I doing that's just to refresh my soul? Everything was so serious, so purposeful, so kingdom, you know, and I realized, man, I need, I need, I need, one of the things I did, I'm going to pick back up snowboarding. So I, I realized I need to have more fun. And secondly, I realized I need brothers. I needed a brotherhood around me. You know, here's the thing. Everyone needs community, including leaders. Heaven help us. You know, it, actually the Bible says it is not good. This is what God said in creation. It's not good for man to be alone. When he created man, he said it's good. And then he said it's not good to, to be alone. We can't get isolated. We can't do this thing. We're better together, right? We are better together. So I realized out of that, it's like I'm going to commit myself to being one of these guys. In fact, I've started a network recently. Serve pastors like yours to keep people refreshed and in the race that God has called them to, called the Barnabas Network. And you know what's funny is when I taught this message just recently at our own church, my wife, Andy, said to me afterwards, she's like, you know, only a few years ago, you could have, you could have preached that message without any lived revelation. It would have been theory, <laughs> right? True, but not lived. Every one of us needs to ask the Lord, teach me to rest, I want to take you to Exodus for a moment. Exodus 20, verse 8. What's a little bit of context for this passage. So fast forward many generations from Adam and Eve where we started. And the Israelites, uh, you know, in order to escape a situation, they end up in Egypt, but then they're enslaved as a people. Now God, you know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. They're, there. they're on their way out into a promised land, flowing with milk and honey, the goodness of God, dominion is all right in front of them. And in that context, God reminds them of that timeless principle of the Sabbath. Exodus 20 verse 8, remember the Sabbath day, he says, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or, and then he starts to list everybody, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock. I mean, even the livestock can't work. Uh, the sojourner, whatever that is, within your gates, visitors, I guess. For in the six days, the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in it, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Just remember for a minute, what's the context? God's setting them free and reinstituting the Sabbath. So in other words, if you think about this, if, if this is the very moment when it's like, finally, we're free, stepping into our promised land and God brings this back. This was not slavery. This is not even about rules. We'll come to that later. Jesus, in fact, later would say the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
He was setting them free. He was blessing them. He's like, let me show you a new and better way. Keep the Sabbath. So then fast forward all these years. Last year, my wife, Andy, and I went on a counseling retreat. You know, ministry leadership can be challenging along the way, not just your own personal stuff, but then you take ministry hits and you go through trauma and different things. We went to a counseling center. It was so good. And it just serves pastors and leaders. Went up into the beautiful Rockies in Colorado, got away for two weeks. And uh, one of the counselors that we sat with was fantastic, older guy called Joe. And uh, and Joe, in one of the sessions, which is really around identity and like rhythms of life, he asked this question. He says, like, just sort of straight face, sitting across from us in the, on the, these little armchairs. And Joe says, so let me ask you a question. How are you guys doing with uh, thou shalt not murder? And we responded a little bit like that. It's like, uh, like is, is, is this a real question? I mean... Do you, think, do you think we're struggling with that? Is this, this is worse than we thought, isn't it? It's worse. Uh, and so Joe just kind of lets us sit with it. It's an awkward moment. We're like, I mean, good. Not, not murdering. <laughs> it's good, right? And, uh, and then he lists off a few other of the Ten Commandments. He's like, you know, thou shalt not commit ad- adultery. He's like, yep, also doing good there. Well, I think, where's this going? And then he, he throws a few more at us because we all kind of know, yeah, I know it. God commands us not to have other idols and not to steal. He's like, how about keeping the Sabbath? And I was like, ooh, right? And he made the point that so many people who love Jesus and love the Lord and would call themselves followers of Christ, they treat like nine of the 10 commandments as commandments, but that one somehow is like, maybe that was like more like a suggestion than a commandment. Here's my thought. Is it's intended to be, this is important, a distinctive hallmark of God's people, that they don't work endlessly and strive meaninglessly like the world does. It's supposed to set us apart. That we don't just work endlessly. In fact, that's what was so incredible about it. Think in that day in an agricultural society that there would be a whole bunch of people who would put their tools down, who would stop their work, And trust the Lord their God to bless them more than the nations around them that would work seven days a week. We don't have to work endlessly or strive meaninglessly. In fact, if we will trust Him, it'll be a sign and a wonder. See, we're born unconditionally loved by a God who wants to guide us and be our Father. But you know, the world around us shouts another message. And if we're Maybe even a little more honest, the world within us does too, if you're anything like me. Ambition, idols, which by the way, when I say idol, I always kind of think people are imagining some stone carving of a God. Listen, an idol, I heard somebody say once, an idol is anything you have to check with before saying yes to God. So to me, I mean, idols can be people, idols can be money, idol can be my job. But for many of us, this idea of work has become an idol. If I just did a few more hours, stay back again tonight. If I just study a little harder, strain a little more, if I only got that promotion, then, then, then we'll be content. But you know, ambition and and work is like a drug for our generation. Accomplishment, success, achievement. Where I live in the city, I mean, it's everybody's first question. After what's your name is, what do you do, right? 
<laughs> and don't you feel sized up in those moments based on what you do? When I tell them, oh, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church in New York. Oh, wow, awkward. Like eyeing the exits, right? <laughs> well, how, how quaint. Um, but you know, the best metaphor I've got for this is many years ago, I did a trip to New Zealand with a friend when I was still in my 20s. As we flew in, we flew over a mountain called Mount Cook. And it's actually where they filmed, if you're old enough to remember the movie Vertical Limit, it's where most of that movie was filmed. And we noticed even though it was a warm month, there was still snow on the mountain. And me and my friend said, if we get a day off, let's like climb up to the snow line, which looked easy enough from the air, <laughs> which is really the problem here, other than our naivety. Then we, we get there, we do get a day off. We're like, let's go do it. And, you know, we've just got our sneakers and one bottle of water between us because how hard can it be? Turns out really hard. Uh, anyway, you can see where this is going. From the bottom, as we look up, we can actually see the ridge. It's like, I don't look far. So we're climbing. After a while, it's like, ooh, I'm out of breath. I should have probably trained for this. Uh, but anyway, we, we, we're approaching the ridge and we get there and we're like, we're like, oh, here we are. And then we look up and it's like, whoa, okay, there's another whole section that I couldn't see from the ground. Crazy. We're not even at the snow yet. It's like, well, we've come this far. Like, let's just finish the job. We'll get to the next ridge. You can see where this is going, right? So we get to the next ridge, not the top. Another ridge, still not the top. In the end, we're so high up. True story. There are avalanches on other mountains around us, below us. That's how high we had to go. We're exhausted. And there's something about that story that just reminds me of the false summits we set for ourselves in our work. We look up, we're like, oh, if I just got there, if I just got, if I had that title, if I just, if I just, if I just, and then we get there, and we look up again, and there's one more summit. Then I could rest. But it's kind of the opposite of what we see in Jesus, right? If you've looked at Jesus' life in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories that tell the life of Jesus, you, well, what I see is somebody that models a very different rhythm. We see him extracting himself from ministry. We see him, you know, he's got a crowd around him and he would pull away, climb a mountain. We, we see him prayerful. One occasion we see him on a boat. Everybody's freaked out. Jesus is taking a nap because his ability to rest is not dependent on the circumstances around him. Jesus lives a very different rhythm, a rhythm of grace. And yet, contrast that for a moment. You're like, oh, that's easy. He's Jesus. Well, time out. What was his mission? Save the world. Anybody think if your mission was Jesus' mission, resting is the last thing you're gonna do? Has there, in fact, let me say it this way. Has there ever been anyone in all of human history who had more weight on his shoulders than Jesus? And yet Jesus has time to sit with people, to talk with people. Jesus walks around <laughs> And in fact, he has, most scholars believe, right about three years of earthly ministry to save the world. And yet he models for us rest, solitude, being with the Father. John Mark Comer wrote a really good book, a recommended read on this subject. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he said this, he said, if you want the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If we want his fruit, then we need to live how Jesus lived. This has been a whole journey for me. Let me say it another way. It's been a journey for me to realize Jesus takes joy in my rest and not just in what I produce. 
For many years, my whole idea around rest was it, was it was kind of more in the category of like, yeah, 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 you have to rest in order to keep on working. As if that was a thing God really wanted from me was work, 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 rest because it's essential. No, he gives his beloved rest. Psalm, uh, Psalm 62 verse one says, truly my soul finds rest where? In God. My salvation comes from him. Psalm 4, verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So our very ability to sleep, to have peace, to rest, is tied to the fact that He is our protector, our provider, right? Our refuge, our strong tower, our shield, that is our God. So let me get practical And let me just show you six things you could do this week. Teach me to rest. Here's some some call to action pieces, if you want to put it that way. If you're taking notes, the first thing I would encourage you to write down is this. Start your day with God. What if you started your day as you intend to finish it? A lot of times we start our day, I know in my experience, it's so easy to start my day with work and worry. How do those days go for you? They don't go well for me. When I start there, when I start from a place of work and worry, it's not likely to go well. What if we were to start our day in prayer and presence, the presence of God? Well, your day has already started on the right foot, and even if it throws you some curveballs, you're on the right footing to handle them in faith. Now, true confessions, I am... Not a morning person, and that is a huge understatement. In fact, true story, in high school, my nickname was Sloth. Uh, I was was so able to sleep anywhere, anytime. That was true. My parents would would tell you, even well into my 20s, I was known, if I had the ability, if I had a day off, I would get up at the crack of noon, everybody. So I'm not not up here preaching like one of those people who's like, zing, in the morning. No, it's more. I just bought a coffee mug a couple of weeks ago. It says, coffee and Jesus. That's me in the morning, a couple of coffees, and it's like, okay, I can hold a conversation now. But I have learned, I have learned that I need to start my day with God. What what if we read the Word and prayed before we looked at social media? I, I think one of the problems these days is, you know, in the old days, we had alarm clocks that woke us up. Now it's this thing. Oh, it's so easy to reach for that snooze and then see something that draws me in. Little Instagram notification, a headline that makes me furious, you know, because the news, you can read that for two minutes. I don't know if anyone else needs a nap after reading the news. That's how I feel a lot of times, depressing, right? Or, or, true confessions, anybody ever opened the wrong email from the wrong person to start your day and your day just went into like a tailspin that it never recovered from? Anybody else ever done that? Well, Well, why don't we save ourselves a whole lot of pain and difficulty and start our day with Him. St. Augustine, the sage, many centuries ago said, God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Jesus put it this way in uh, Matthew 11, 28. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am 
gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Do you hear that? Not just your body that needs rest, it's your soul too. You'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I heard somebody teaching on this passage one time talking about the yoke, you know, the, what they would put across the, the back of a, a beast of burden that's pulling a plow in a field, for instance, or a heavy load. That the, you know, I always sort of thought when it's like, well, what are you saying, Jesus? Like that it's easy to follow you? That doesn't, that's not always my experience. Sometimes it's not easy. And I heard somebody teaching in a way that really enlightened this for me. It said that that would be better translated, my yoke is well-fitted. Imagine you were carrying a load and you've got a yoke, but it's not sized right for you. It digs you in all the right, wrong places. It just makes something that's a challenge almost seemingly impossible to sustain. That's how so many of us live. We've got a yoke that is not well fitted for us. Yes, we've got a job to do, but Jesus is saying, hey, come to me if you're weary. Hey, I wanna, I wanna teach you how to make the job that's in front of you easier for you. It's still a work, but it doesn't have to wear you out. So let's start our day with God. Number two, Realize that rest is a decision. It's a decision. Um, I don't know about your to-do list. Mine is endless. Anybody else? Just, it's endless. There is always more to be done. And I don't even mean just in a bad way. There's always problems. It's like, there's always more good to be done than there's time to Serving people, loving people, sharing the gospel. There's always more people to help and more. We could work 24-7 if we let ourselves with some little savior complex because we think we are the ones saving the world. But the truth is rest is a decision. We need to choose to rest and trust God. You know, your calendar is a powerful tool. Many of us talk about our schedules as if we are just the victims of our calendar. But what if we, what if we took that power back? I said, I'm going to use my calendar as a way to prioritize what is important to me. Oftentimes, you know, leaders will say to me things like this, oh, how do you time, find time for this or that, whatever it is that they see me doing? How do you find time? And, and without trying to be pedantic about it, my response is always the same. I say, actually, I don't find time, I make time. Now, that might sound like just a smart aleck response, but it's intended to say, no, no, we are powerful people. We are created in the image of a powerful God. So I, I make time for what matters. If I have the mindset of like, if there's some time left over, there never is. But if it's important to me and it's important to God, I'm gonna get that in the calendar first. And if I don't quote unquote, find some time for things, it'll be things down the list of priorities. Gotta live differently, right? Walter Brueggemann, he said this, he says, people who keep the Sabbath, this is so cool, live all seven days differently. I think that's true. See, when we honor God and we put Him first and we trust Him to cease from our labors, you are God and I am not, then actually that affects the other days as well, right? It doesn't just bless that day, but it actually it blesses the whole week. We work from a different place because we are trusting Him. Making the decision, rest, when you want to break it down, is just a decision. Now, I know we haven't known each other that long, but I'm gonna, I want to get, number three, can I give it to you straight? Stop lying to yourself. This is, uh, this is kind of where it goes wrong for me because I have little stories, stories as in, I have lies that I tell myself that stop me from resting. Um, I'll give you one of mine. I don't know what yours are. We'll get to that in a minute. 
We're not gonna, you're not gonna have to call them out, relax. Uh, one of my lies is this. Many years ago, when we we're still living in Australia, my mom and dad were trying to get Andy and I and the kids over for dinner. And mom said, you know, she's the nicest person. I mean, she's so nice. Like, you know, like I literally don't, I can't remember one time in my life I heard her say something mean about somebody that nice, right? And, uh, and so she says, why don't you guys come over for dinner? And I said, oh, mom, it's just a busy season right now. And as sweet as anything, she says, you always say that. And it cut me to the heart because it was true. It was true. I always, that was the lie that I told myself. Oh, it's just a busy season right now. And as long as you just tell yourself that all the time, you're pretending that it's temporary, but it's actually a way of life that you bought into. Is this too real for you? Are we all right today? Good? It's really quiet in here. <clears throat> uh, I don't, what's the lie you tell yourself? That means you can't rest. I'm going to give you some examples of what it could be. If you... If you do basically believe what I'm talking about this morning, that you want to honor it and you want to have a pattern of rest and renewal and you're not, ask yourself this question, what lie or lies am I believing? Here are some kind of, I could put you in the ballpark. Here's some ideas what it could be attached to. It could be lies about where your value comes from. Uh, It could be lies about your identity and what establishes it. Could be lies about who or what provides for you. Because if you're your own provider instead of Jehovah Jireh being the provider, that'll do it. Uh, It could be lies about the favor of God. Something about needing to earn it. That some, you know, the blood of Jesus wasn't enough, that kind of thing. Here's the deal. If you would call yourself a follower of Jesus and you're trying to build your life on the Word of God like I am, and you're not being obedient in this, I'm not judging you, because this has been a work in progress for me too. I'm just saying, I will all but guarantee there is a lie in there somewhere that you are believing. Stop lying to yourself. Number four, find your fun. Find your fun. What's fun for everybody is different. That's why I can't get up here and prescribe it. What one person finds is fun is not what somebody else finds fun. But let me give you something that it's not. I am not talking about you binge watching 12 hours of Netflix. It's all well and good to like switch off your brain, but that's not what we're talking about here. No, I don't know what it is for you. If you just need to take a walk or if it's running or if it's nature or if it's creating, if it's reading, if it's music, but there's something, some hobby, some deal out there. Think about the word recreation, recreation. I think there is something God and you enjoy together that recreates the love, the life, the energy of God in you. You know, I go on these retreats and, you know, one of my friends, Ben, who's on our board, he said at one of them recently in Montana, he said, you know, I've discovered that there's a difference between resting and recharging. It was a good insight because Honestly, physically, I often go home tired from those trips. We hang out and talk till all hours. We're doing all these fun things. And I go home tired in my body, but refreshed in my soul. I wonder if we are recharging. You know, as people get a kick out of the fact that I grew up in Australia and had never shot a gun until I moved to New York City and I got into hunting. How does that make any sense, people? It's like, that is the last city in America you should live in if you wanted to be a hunter. And yet, something about all of this, I found something, and look, a lot of people don't like it, and it's definitely not politically correct, right? But I found something that I love, getting out in the woods, being up in a tree, even if I don't see anything at all, it restores my soul. And so part of Sabbath and rest and renewal is finding your fun. I quoted it before, Mark 2, 27, 
Jesus said, Sabbath was made for the man. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Two more, and then we'll wrap it up and pray. Number five, honor the Sabbath weekly. No, we got to do something about this. Make it a priority. Establish a rhythm of life, what some would call, and I like it, a rule of life. In other words, i got a boundary there. This is a value to me. It's not just on my wish list. Part of the nature of my schedule as a lead pastor and traveling a lot is that I was finding when I tried to have the Sabbath, for me at least, be the same day of the week every week, a lot of times my Sabbath ended up being while I was like on a long-haul flight to Africa or something. It's like, this is not working for me. So I decided, I'm going to take that back. Use the calendar as my, my weapon. And I plan them out a month in advance. Set aside the days, even if it's not always the same day. Prioritize vacation. Prioritize rest. You know, here's a challenging psalm. We love to read it. But Psalm 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Listen to this. He makes me lie down. That's a good word for some people in this room. He may lie down. <laughs> it's not even like, he's not even suggesting. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Why? He refreshes my soul. Some of you, you need to dwell on that verse, some of you. It's gonna make you lie down. Lead you beside quiet waters in order that he would restore and refresh your soul. Let me give you one last thought, one last call to action before I pray. And in some ways, this is kind of the crux, it's kind of the foundation of all of it, is this, is that trust God as your provider, number six, rather than yourself. Now, for many of us, I think, in our region, this is kind of the essence of why we attempted to not rest is because we're trusting in ourselves. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him or acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. It takes trust in God, doesn't it? Tools down, rest, replenish. It's the same with anything. It's the same with tithing. <laughs> You know, I, I take my 10%, I honor God, I put Him first in the area of my finance and my experience has been He does more, exceedingly more with my 90% blessed than I can ever do with my 100% not blessed, right? It's the same with your time. In some ways, the Sabbath is almost like a tithe of your time, if you wanna say it that way, is to trust Him, to put Him first and say, God, show yourself strong and mighty on my behalf. Trust Him. We trust Him. You know, we're in the middle of prayer and fasting too at the moment. A few years ago, I was a few days into the fast. My brain's foggy. I'm like hangry. You know, I'm like, in a, like all I want is a coffee right now, maybe a good burger and fries. And I'm like, I'm all, and I, so I say out loud to myself, I'm like, man, I am not being productive at all. And the Lord rebuked me. He said, Paul, you're getting less done in the natural, but more done in the supernatural. Which do you think has the greater effect? Yes, sir. Can we pray this morning? These are the lessons that God is trying to teach us. I pray that this is gonna liberate some of you to experience the rest of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God, a sustainable, beautiful, Christ-centered life that glorifies Him. Amen.
Can we, let's take a moment to pray. I'd like to invite everyone, bow heads, close eyes. And would you just for a moment, think about your own spiritual condition, whether you're in the room right now, whether you're watching online, can I pray for you today? Because I have a sense that there are people here today that this whole thing starts. I quoted it earlier. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Some of you need to bring your burdens to Jesus, accept Him as Lord and Savior today. And I wanna pray a prayer exactly to that end. That's the invitation. Come to me, Jesus said. I will give you rest for your souls. My heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Across this room, all those watching online. If today you would say, I need Jesus. I need to come to Him. I need to lay my burdens down like we've been singing about today. If you realize today, I mean, I need to I need to declare Jesus as my Lord, my Savior and my King. Or maybe, you know, you realize, you know, at one time I really was following Jesus, but, but He's not the Lord and the Savior of my life right now. I wanna, I wanna pray a prayer right now, inviting you to come to Him and receive Him as Lord and Savior and King. If that's you today and you say, Paul, when you pray, can you please include me? Because I need, I need Jesus whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time, I wanna pray for you. And all I wanna ask you to do so I know who I'm praying for is, would you just, if you're in the room, would you slip your hand up? I'll see it. Then you can put it down again. I'm gonna pray for you. Yeah, here and here, here and here, here and here as well. Here, back over there. Man, lots of people today. Up at the back there, I see you too. And maybe you're watching online. I want you to make that same decision. We're gonna pray that same prayer. I'm gonna invite the whole church to pray along with me. But especially if you know you need Jesus today, Would you pray these words after me? And we'll give you instructions before the service is out. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, every voice. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for sending Jesus to live on this earth, to die on the cross as payment for my sin, that You could teach me a new and better way. Thank You for forgiveness Thank you for a second chance. I declare that Jesus is my Lord, my Savior and my King. So help me live for Him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen and amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.